so fellas, I got a question for you starting out here. November 1989. Where were you? Where was I? November 1989. Where were you in 89? It, hey, the questions are going to get harder than this. So, um, you know, pick it up. Get it together. Yeah. I do not know. This. How old were you in 89? Uh, I was I was turning 10. November of 89. Was, I was turning okay. 10. Yeah, exactly. I was 11 years old. Uh, Jared, how about you? you I was born? I was negative two years old. You weren't even born yet. Not even born yet, man. This guy's a baby. We got a baby with us here today. We got Just a baby. A twinkle in his father's eye. I was. We got a baby. 1989. That's when the original Little Mermaid came out. Does that want to make you feel old? 33 I, years. 33. Good job. Oh, okay. Hey, he may be a baby, but he's good with math. That I'm a math quick, champion, honestly. guys. Yes, very good. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm to brag, but I can add. I'm gonna make him an awful guy with you. I see dead people. Hasta la vista, baby. You can't handle the truth. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So this weekend, the Little Mermaid, live action Little Mermaid came out, which is uh, a remake of the 1989 Disney classic Little Mermaid, which, fun fact, uh, brought back the movie musical. Uh, the music movie musical had pretty much died out. And uh, this film came out and was a box office smash. I remember seeing it uh, when it came out in, in November of 1989 and loving it and just being, you know, cap, you know, just totally captured by uh, the songs were super memorable. Uh, and uh, I remember just being really kind of because some of the Disney films that had come out before then had kind of been duds and and the the that whole uh, it revitalized Disney animation. So it was, it was a, in terms of importance, uh, historical importance for that company it was pr pretty powerful. Uh, we have the new film, the live action film starring Haley Bailey. So let's talk about the movie. Let's get right into it. The message of the new little mermaid. Is it different than the original little mermaid or is it the same? Can I just say I'm bitter because of scuttles? That's all I'm going to say. Once you see it, you're going to understand they changed everything for me with scuttles, but I think the overall message. Hey, is hey, Matt. Actually, first of all, I, it's good to know you're not a true fan because it's Scuttle, not Scuttles. It's not plural, so it's just one character. Just so you know. Uh, sorry, Jared. Uh, sorry, we got to deal with this guy Scuttles over here. Mm -hmm. uh, I I go with Scuttles the whole time. Okay. Hey, hey, Matt. Do me a favor. Check your chat. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So let's talk about the theme. What's the theme of this movie? Yeah, a lot of it had to deal with kind of finding the center, where you have these four headstrong characters. And they have very polarized worldviews of what they think is right, what they think is wrong. And they're working through those worldviews. And near the end, they're more or less finding the center of this one set of worldviews, you know, had some truth. And this other set of worldviews had some truth. And they kind of find this common ground near the end. Yeah, you had obviously the two, the main character of the film is Ariel, and then you have Prince Eric, which definitely this film has a, has a bigger character arc uh, than the original animated film. Uh, and both feel like they're trapped in their opposing worlds, right? Um, and, uh, and so it's interesting to see. I, again, I think a big thing that both characters are struggling with in this film is contentment. And again, that was something obviously for Ariel in the original film. We saw that uh, and definitely heightened in this one uh, in, in regards to just not being content. She's she's under the sea. You know, obviously the song states that. And uh, she's she doesn't want to be there. She thinks that whatever is up above on land is going to be better. Prince Eric 
is struggling with on land um, with his family uh, and and whatever he has, he's not happy with. He wants something more. There's a big issue of contentment that you see across the board for for everybody, right? Um, not being content with what they have and where they're at. Yeah, there's a there's a line near the end where one of the parents more or less says, I've tried to do everything to make you happy. And it's almost like happiness or making somebody else happy is like the virtue that you need to pursue, where it's like, forget about what's right, forget about what's wrong. It's are you actually happy? And biblically, I mean, that is the furthest thing from like happiness does not dominate the Christian worldview as if that's the primo top tier type of, you know, thing to pursue. You could be, you know, super, super happy, but then living in sin. And, you know, biblically, we know that those last words that we want to hear are that well done, my good and faithful servant, where faithfulness is placed to the top of the ladder. And that's what we pursue is becoming more like Christ. But the push of this movie is, you know, finding happiness and trying to make others really happy. I think that's a great point, Jared, because you hear people uh, that are when they're usually struggling or going through difficult situations. Sometimes I've heard I've actually heard somebody say this to me when they were going through a really difficult situation. They said, I, I just feel I deserve to be happy. And it's like, well, actually, no, what you deserve is eternal damnation. Talk a little bit about the family dynamics, because both families in this film are kind of flawed. Yeah, I think you have a lot of bad listeners where a lot of the issues would just be resolved if we just sat down and had a conversation. Okay, so that's a great point, right? And um, this is something even right now my wife and I have been talking a lot about even just with our with our own children is um, sitting down and listening. Uh, mm. and, and I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this as a, as a guy uh, with my own pride, um, being willing to listen to our children because I just assume, no, I'm the father. Boom. Here's how it is. And guess what? That, that then negates whatever feelings they may have right or wrong. You still need to listen and help them be able to process through those things. And uh, and there is a line um, in the film that King Triton says, where he says, you shouldn't have had to give up your voice to be heard. I shouldn't just silence my children uh, because I think, or even if I know I'm right, I still want to make them feel free that they can talk and engage because if they don't feel like they have that freedom, they're going to shut down and they're not going to engage. And as parents, we want to have that open dialogue uh, with our children. Well, and really, when you think about it, when you you look at, at scripture, I mean, we're supposed to boldly go through before the throne, right? We're allowed to pray to our father um, and he listens to us, right? Um, and although we are not God, we are still the leaders of our family, and we're called to listen. I mean, you do see that in this film with with Triton and how he just does not listen. It's you will just l- obey. What's portrayed as good or noble in this film? You see the thought fa- towards the end, you see where she talks about how the father sacrificed his life for her. And he recognized that she sacri- what she sacrificed for him, that she came back for him. And so we see, you know, this that ultimate love is being sacrificial towards each other we keep kind of keep seeing that in all the films that we're we're seeing right is that the ultimate sacrifice the ultimate love is sacrificing oneself one's life for another i think to that point too it not to over spiritualize it but 
the king sacrificing his life for Ariel, that really reminded me of there's this uh, moment in the Joseph narrative where Judah is ready and willing to sacrifice his life for his brother, Benjamin. And it's this epic moment that's actually defining of what a king is, which is why then the kingly line moves through Judah as opposed to Joseph. Because you would think, hey, Joseph, this guy should be the king. He's second in command. He is ruling over Egypt. But because Judah's willing to lay down his life for his brother and has that type of sacrificial love, and because a king has to die and is willing to die for his people, then that becomes foundational for the theology of kingship. And so as I was watching that scene, I was like, man, this is almost just like a ripoff because, you know, this king, Triton, Triton, whatever the guy's name is, is a king. And this is what kings do. And this is what the ultimate king, you know, did for us, for our, for our sins. And so it was just this kind of stealing of a worldview there or even stealing of like an ancient biblical idea that goes all the way back to Genesis 43. So that was one thing that was pretty noble in the movie. Jared, I like that you called him Triton and not Tritons. Um, you know, is that his name? Just, is it Tritons? No, it's not yeah. Tritons, but somebody thinks okay. that Scuttles is Scuttles. This is a big sticking point for Matt. All right. <laughs> the, the pluralization of Scuttles. This is a big no no. You really it, cross the it line, almost sounds Matt. like he's a candy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh hey, can I get a bag of Scuttles? Mm-hmm. Um Taste the Scuttles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Taste <laughs> the rainbow, taste the scuttles. Um okay, uh, what's about what about evil? Is evil clearly defined in this film? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just look at Ursula. I mean, she is our Satan character um, that we that we see in there. Just um, just kind of what she, how she handles Ariel and how she, you know, you see her spying on Ariel, looking to see um, how she can get to her, how she can pull the strings of her heart, essentially. She had one quote, Daddy has been so unfair to us, um, controlling everything we say and we do. Right. And it's like you you don't want that anymore. He shouldn't have that anymore. And just kind of pulls at her, you should have your way. I mean, really just lays down that temptation and gives her the motivation and the drive to take the bait. Back to the message, another major theme was a sense of identity of where exactly do you belong and who are you? Where Ariel is, you know, a mermaid, but she wants to become a human and that idea of where do you belong and who are you as a person is one of these major pushes of the movie where it's forcing you to kind of look introspectively and go, you know what, who am I and where do I belong? And relative to the Christian worldview, we go, we go, Hey, we're Christians and we belong to Christ and our identity is rooted in him and to become more and more like him. Well, I'll throw this out there to you guys. Uh, in a recent interview uh, for the film, uh, Haley uh, Bailey was uh, interviewed and they asked her what's different about this movie. And she says it's way bigger than just a girl uh, wanting to leave the ocean for a boy. She says it's about herself, her purpose, her freedom, her life and what she wants. Any thoughts? I mean, that's a struggle we all have, I think, right there. Right. One especially when we're kids, we want to get out of our parents' control and we want to go to pursue what we want to pursue. And, you know, as often happens, we tend to um, get out and learn a very valuable lesson like, oh, mom and dad were right. Um, Yeah, it's crazy, right, huh? Yeah. Again, you the cyclical process, you think that over time that uh, 
we would we would start to humanity would start to figure out uh and yet historically we know going back to the israelites you know they they need constant reminders <laughs> well sebastian says remember when he's trying to tell her not to go over, up up to the land he's like the human world is a mess <laughs> even he recognized it yeah and i mean he, he's right too because the fundamental issue with all of us is the heart and that we're sinners by nature and so you know we can pursue all these things but will we ever really even be content going back to the original kind of idea of people searching for you know belonging and how contentment is such a major issue um, you know where do we even find contentment to begin with Thank you for listening to Real Profs, a production of the Center for Thinking Biblically. To support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org donate. To learn more about the Master's University on-campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.